0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Michael Kansky, the founder of LiveHelpNow, a customer support platform that provides small businesses with helpdesk, live chat, and more. In 1997, Michael immigrated to the US from Ukraine as a refugee. To help himself get a job, he signed up for a computer programming course. As a final project, he built a dating website. And over time, people started using the site. At one point, he got to around a thousand users. When a user asked Michael for an easier way to communicate with other users, Michael built a basic chat feature which he also started using to support end users. In 2005, he realized there was a growing opportunity with live chat, so he took what he'd learned and launched a new product. But it was a complete hobby. Michael had no business plan or customers. He just loved building the product and seeing people use it. Eventually, four years later in 2009, he started charging for his live chat product. And about a third of his customers switched to a paid plan which generated around 10k in mrr today michael has bootstrapped his business to over 3 million dollars a year but it took him 12 years to get there and for the last 4 years revenue has been flat we often hear stories of entrepreneurs who launch a product spend no money on marketing and hit their first million dollars almost overnight but that's not the experience for the majority of saas founders Michael's story is about the reality and the long, hard slog that most founders have to go through to find success. In this interview, we talk about the realities of building a SaaS business, the big lessons Michael's learned along the way, and what he's doing to start growing his business again. So I hope you enjoy it. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Omar. It's, 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 it's an honor to be here.
0: I'm a big fan. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us? I do. It's not very inspiring. It's
1: pretty basic. Uh, my quote is, it is what it is. Uh, so I use it almost every, almost every day.
0: Why, why is that important to you? <laughs>
1: because you know, sometimes I, I find myself, or used to find myself, uh, getting hung up on things that are just not outside of my control. I, I can't control everything. There are situations I cannot control. There are people I cannot change, so you know, I, I tend to drop it right there by saying it is what it is. Life's too short; just move on. Love it. Makes me makes me happier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us about uh, Live Help Now for people who, who don't know about the product. Just tell us what does the product do, who is it for, and what's the main problem you're helping to solve.
1: So, Live Help Now is an omni-channel customer support platform. Enabling call centers of all size to connect with customers on any channel they prefer. We cover every single channel here at Life Up Now, whether it's chat, email, text, voice over IP, self help knowledge base, AI powered chatbots, social media inter- integrations, you name it, we, we got it. So, whatever customers uh, desire to, to contact the brand. On, on whatever channel, whether it's chat or text or social media, this will all come into one easy to use platform for operators to respond to. The target audience for us are senior leaders in uh, customer service our organizations, centric organizations that value the power of enabling customer service agents to be the best they can be in their, in their jobs. So the the ones that that are looking for a software that would enable agents to be the best they can be by giving them tools to be the best they can be, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. So the company was founded in two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And tell us in terms of like how many customers do you have, and where are you in terms of revenue?
1: So currently we are twenty five hundred customers, and revenue is. Uh, over $3 million
0: YR. Awesome. So let's go back, and I want to kind of uncover the the story and, and how all of this started. But I think that we should probably go back to around 97 when you first arrived in, in the US. So just help people sort of set the scene because that that was kind of... An interesting time, and, and I think there was a few things that uh, really sort of set the scene for you starting to build this business. Then,
1: yes. Yeah, so so uh, in, in 1997, I immigrated from from Ukraine as a refugee. And before before I immigrated, I kind of got a gene of, of loving the computer, the personal computer. And and I think it came from my mom, who who was just a brilliant mathematician working with really large IBM machines with punch cards, and then later with personal computers. So I, I just loved computers. So when I arrived to, to the United States in 97, uh, I immediately enrolled myself into accelerated computer course, computer programming course, uh, a seven months accelerated course. And at the end of which, the teacher said, uh, said to us, uh, you guys are ready, yeah? go find yourself a job. But before you do, why don't you create some, you know, practice application, practice website, just for the hobby, just uh, to practice your skills before you apply for a job. And uh, so I picked, well, let me just create a da- dating website. So I created a dating website. and used, uh, I don't remember, some kind of directories or some other means to grow it to 1,000 users. And uh, those 1,000 users that started asking me for other features. One of them would, was, you know, we would like to communicate with each other. Why don't you put in some kind of chat tool into the platform, which I did. Uh, And then the next thing, I thought, well, if they like to talk to each other, it would be great if they could also talk to me, to website operator, to see uh, what kind of things are maybe broken or maybe things that they would recommend for us to to improve upon. So uh, I repurposed the same chat tool for them to be able to chat with me. And the next thing, obviously, the thought was... Uh, if I like it, if I, if I find it useful to talk to my website users, I'm sure there are other website operators who would find it useful, useful as well.
0: So when you sort of went through that program and you started to learn to code, what, yeah. what language were you working with?
1: Uh, it was uh, Visual Basic, <laughs> ASP.NET, uh, and IIS-powered uh, languages.
0: Mm-hmm. And and then so the, the dating website you built, that was like a .NET, .net s- stack Africa. as well?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. That's not bad. Getting a a thousand users for a, yes. a website you just you just kind of built.
1: Yeah, everything was easy in '98. <laughs> yeah, '98 '99 marketing was really easy. Yeah, there
0: weren't that many websites around. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so you've got this uh, site built, and at what point it, it took several years before this turned into. From a dating site to a chat application, right?
1: Correct. Essentially, in 2005 is when I decided that let me let me take the code that I built for this application, the chat application for a website users, talk to website operators. Let me take it out of there and and, and uh, morph it into another product, uh, which is what I did in 2005.
0: And and then for between 2005 and 2009. You weren't making any money from this app. It was it was basically a free product and, and kind of like a side project for you, right?
1: It was it was a complete hobby. There was no business plan, no revenue model, no capital. Uh, it, it was only me in my basement working at night to to build it, and my understanding wife that understood that if I want to do it, let me do it. Uh, so and uh, the company or the website that I Essentially, eventually published this product under was was uh, called Zaza Chat, Z A Z A Chat. The name came from one of the first words that my first son used. He kind of kept repeating the word Zaza, so I just went with it, Zaza Zaza Chat and that's that was the first live chat product.
0: That's awesome. So, what kept you going for those four years? What what was the driver to? to come home and, and kind of lock yourself away in the basement and work on this product. You weren't making money. It wasn't like you were sort of, you know, setting out and saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to turn this into a business in the next year or something. So what was the motivation in those four years?
1: It's just, just such a great question, very, very unexpected one. Uh, it never asked. I was never asked as before. It, it was obviously not money because it wasn't making any. Uh, it yeah. was, <laughs> I guess, it was the fascination and self fulfillment and just instant gratification of building a a feature that is immediately consumed by a user on the other end, and you you, you get feedback almost immediately. So, so you're building this product for then maybe in 2005, maybe it was 10 companies or 15 companies using it. Uh, and, and you're building this feature upon feature upon feature specifically upon uh, uh, those users requesting this particular functionality. And then you get feedback almost immediately. Oh, that's cool. This is exactly what we wanted. Awesome. Great job, Michael. So I think that's you know self fulfillment is probably was the the, the motivator there purpose <laughs> Yeah, got
0: right yeah I think a lot of developers are like that that you know it's about you want to you want to build something that that creates value that helps people and it's this fulfillment from just creating something and being able to write code that you can see a problem and I can create a solution that solves it, and then the next part of that is, if you have people actually using the product, even if they're not paying for it, that on its own keep keeps you, you know, moving forward. And obviously, you know, it'd be great if we all got paid for that work, but for a lot of people, I think, yeah, exactly, that's not that's not where it starts.
1: Not for me, it wasn't for me for sure. Yeah, but you you completely nailed it. I think that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm.
0: So in two thousand and nine, this is four years later of of kind of working on this as a hobby. You, you decided to start charging for the product.
1: Well, I was I was sort of forced to charge because in two thousand nine it cost me personally about forty thousand dollars a year to run it, with with all these server server costs and uh, bandwidths and you name it. So at that point I had a, a kind of decision to make: either I will sell the idea to someone who will make it a business, which I had absolutely no experience in how to make it a business, the zero. Or I will at least try before I sell it to someone else to turn it into a freemium model. And that's what I did. I turned it into a freemium model. I remember as it happened, like it happened yesterday, I, I flipped the switch and Zaza Chat became a free product with limited functionality and paid product with unlimited functionality. And I I flipped the switch around 8 o'clock p.m. At 9 o'clock, about a third of, at that point it was about 800 websites using the product. Third of them were happy to pay the paid subscription. At which point you can consider it a one hour success because in one hour I knew I no longer have to consult, I no longer have to work for someone else. I had enough income to, to make it a, a primary source of income.
0: What, what did that convert to in terms of MRR at the time, what we were able to hit?
1: Yeah, about 120, 120 MRR uh, per month. Awesome. That's what it turned into, yep. And, and again- it, Sorry, per year, YRR, I'm sorry. 100, okay. <laughs> about 10,000 10, a month. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and this was, I mean, this wasn't like overnight success. This was four years of working on the product, before you got to this point
1: but no complaints
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's still fun (laughs) how did you figure out what to charge at the time
1: yeah and i know you you like to ask about mistakes that was probably one of the mistakes that i made is, is the pricing the product because when i priced the product i i approached it from my perspective so i was i was a consultant programmer consultant for the companies making I don't know 120, 130,000 a year or so. So I thought, what I what would I pay for a product like this? What would, would not hurt my wallet? So that's how I approached I approached pricing this solution. And uh, I ended up pricing it too low because of that. So instead, uh, my recommendation for, for companies out there that are at that stage when they would like to think about pricing is First of all, it's better to price high than low because you can always go down and it's very hard to go up. So, I, what I should have done is I should have asked those 200 users, 200 websites, or 800 at that point that use the product, how do you value this product? What, what would you pay for it? What, what what value does it produce to you? What, what do you gain out of it? Which features do you use? Which features do you don't use? That's what I should have started and not just rushed into, hey, let's just. Price of twenty bucks per month. I think it's good enough.
0: Yeah. So, so twenty twenty bucks mentally for you was the the ceiling, and so you were like, well, if I charge twenty five, I feel uncomfortable with that. I wouldn't pay that. So I'm gonna stick with a, a number that I'm I'm comfortable with. It was a mistake. Yeah. Okay. So you, that means you've got how many customers? It was a few hundred customers by that time. There were, were- two hundred two hundred customers. Yeah, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how did you find more customers and how did you grow the business? Because, you know, when we were talking about this before we started recording, you you were just saying, look, you know, I didn't have a strategy. I'm not sure I have much to teach here. And and when we started to unpack it, it was like, well, I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, in the situation that you were in then, they can build a great product. They're driven by it. They'd love to get, you know, generate some revenue from it. But they don't really know much about marketing and they're not really sure like where, where they should sort of find those customers. And it was, I think that was just really interesting because you just tried a bunch of stuff, right?
1: Tried everything under under the sun, yeah. Everything imaginable and unimaginable. <laughs> so the first 100 to clients came from a, a, a listing Zaza Chat as a free live chat software on a website called techbargains.com. So to give you an idea who, for whoever doesn't know what tech bargains are, techbargains.com bargains.com is, is, a, is an aggregate for uh, any kind of promotions out there on Best Buys, Amazon.com, Walmart.com, whatever products are on sale, a majority at that time were in computer space, like PCs from Dell, uh, software packages installable. So that's what tech bargains were. And I basically send them an email and said, Tag Bargains, I have this ZazaChat.com that is a free live chat software. Why don't you list it for your users? It's completely free. And they did. Uh, and uh, they kept uh, ZazaChat on, on the first page for a day, which produced about 200, 250 clients uh, that are probably, probably wouldn't be surprised if they still with us. So that's, that's kind of one of the tactics. There was no strategy, I want to be clear, now it might have been, in at this point of my career I understand the value of strategy, the, you know, to be strategic on your marketing side, strategic on your sales side, strategic in the product development and every, all the all the other facets of the business. Then I was purely tactician. So here's the website where people go that that could potentially be my customers. Let me put the website there or link there. So that was kind of a tactic.
0: When you told me about techbargains.com, and we sort of looked it up earlier, I was like, are you sure this is a site? I mean, the, the, the latest deal was like Lysol disinfectant spray. And I was like, but but now I just kind of refresh the page and, you know, there's a bunch of things like phones and laptops and, and stuff like that. So how did you even find this site? And. and because
1: I was I was a I was a shopper myself so that's where I would look for for coupons and promotions for pcs that I need to buy or TVs I need to buy so I knew the site and I knew it was popular so that was basically going on a limb there and you know shooting to see what sticks you know and then it did stuck so they, they, they did work but again th- those are small gains but the beginning stages where, where, when you just need customers like no matter how they what the source of the customer is, you just need to get customers. I think it's good to do whatever it is in your in your disposal to to get customers, including tagbargains.com.
0: Did you have to um like significantly like discount the product or you just sold it for for twenty bucks a month like you were doing on the on your own website?
1: I just sold it for twenty. They did not have to discount? Oh, you talk about Zaza Chat, correct? At the beginning, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it it was it was free for four years, and then didn't have to discount. Just just I think it was twenty dollars per month for all the features that uh, that product was offering, and that was the pricing model.
0: You also used a bunch of review directories to to find customers. So, t- so tell me about what your experience was there, and what type which type of sites you used
1: yeah so in in 2011 I uh, decided that Zaza chat was just not st- strong enough brand, just name-wise. So I uh, rebranded the in 2011 to a company what it is now is it, Live Up now. and we, we, I basically run two companies. Live out now was kind of a, a new entity. And the chat was still coexisting with this new Life Up Now entity, even though they were sharing the code, code base. So I had to grow Life Up Now somehow. So I went to to my roots of being a, a good good enough tactician, and uh, I found a company which I think was one of the first, if not the first, review powered directory site. What there are many now, like G Two and Captera and Software Advice and others. So top 10 reviews was the directory then in, in, in the late 2000s that I offered to review Lifehub Now. And they agreed and they reviewed Lifehub Now. They tested the software up and down and they listed Lifehub Now as number one help desk solution on the market then. It was 2011. That basically started Lifehub Now essentially an hour later after that listing went live we gained about a thousand clients within three months of that listing going live
0: For us paying customers
1: yes paying customers wow. yeah and that uh, we talked about it before interview that social proof that is that was so important then and it is ever so more, more more so important now uh, with when the companies or purchasing managers, are shopping for a particular software package, they will be sure to visit uh, those directory sites where you have those reviews for software packages such as G2, Software Advice, and CapTera's. It's just, in my opinion, just there are just too many of them now, and, and I hope for any some kind of consolidation happen, or maybe business model will change in some of them. Because right now, in order for you to compete, you will have to pay essentially individually to all of those websites separately to be listed anywhere closer to the top and, and be, be found.
0: Yeah, because those review sites like Captera, G2 and you know, the others, they can be a great place to find leads, customers and so on. But Excellent. it becomes a problem over time because they start to number one, they start to compete with you because They're trying to get the same traffic from whether it's SEO or PPC. And so they're bidding for the same keywords and they're trying to drive people who are looking for help desk software to their site instead of your site. And then the the other challenge you have is that over time, you get more and more products listed there and it becomes harder for people to find your product in that listing. And then they're charging you to have higher placement in there because they're showing the paid listings first. So you almost get to the point where it's like, can I even, you know, can I even acquire a customer profitably here? Probably not.
1: Yeah, and that's why I, I'm just a big fan of of you as a person. I, I couldn't say it better. I, I, you nailed you nailed it perfectly. It, it, how do you compete when you're just one of hundreds on a page? It becomes very hard because you're. It, it's it's no longer about you having a listing. It's now something else because once someone clicks within G two on your profile and gets redirected to your website. You, you almost have to be so different, vastly different to any anybody else listed on the same page. So you you attract enough attention for them to at least to consider you and, and give give you a try. And that becomes very hard because we are, uh, you know, as you know, in, in half that space, there are, there are hundreds of companies. And we all can say, we do this and we do that just like them. It's, it, it, it becomes a, a kind of a me-too world. Me too. Me too. Me too. So it, it, you you end up uh, looking for that differentiator, that all elusive differentiator, almost infinitely, and uh, sometimes you never find one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting conundrum to be in. What what else did you do apart from review directories to to find customers?
1: Yeah. So and that that's why I said <laughs> that's very little to teach the, the the whole life of now growth, the entire growth. Came from organic, tactical uh, methods. We had no sales team. We had no customer success team ever. We had very little. If uh, the marketing department I just started a year ago was two people hired, so there was no marketing department. So and that's kind of a c- cool story. Was was three million YRR achieved with absolutely no marketing, no sales, yeah. and purely tactics. So. The other things that we did is it, uh, SEO. So, obviously, search and optimization w- was a key for, for a long time and, and until recently. And the tactic there was finding uh, long tails that, that are worth putting uh, a pillar page functionality around. So, I don't know if you know what pillar pages are. It's a really good tactic. There's a lot of content around it online. but But basically, if you'd like to promote Green shoes. If you're selling green shoes, then you would create this what we call pillar page that will have everything about green shoes. It will be focused on green shoes. And then you would put six or, you know, the more the merrier, but maybe six to 12 blog posts around it promoting that page. So, so the green shoes becomes the pillar page. It's a very uh, effective tactic, even today, for very reasonably, uh, in a reasonable amount of time, within three months, you can promote a more or less competitive term uh, to be on top of Google by using this functionality. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I think a lot, what a lot of people do with SEO is they will they'll, they'll sort of figure out okay I need to target a particular keyword like help desk software, and then they'll they'll try to create some kind of content targeting that, and then the the pillar pages as you just said sort of takes it up a level where you you can basically say I want to have one page which is kind of like my landing page for helpdesk software. And then all the other content that I create, if I've got 100 blog posts, which cover all kinds of things, whether it's helpdesk software or some maybe long-tail type keywords, I'm going to have internal links all pointing back to this one page, which tells Google, when it comes to helpdesk software, this is the one page that's most important. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting because I think that still works to to some degree because it's not really a hack i mean it's it's basically you you're kind of making it easier for someone to discover all the content that you have about a particular topic and it seems to be something that google likes as well exactly and so how well did that work and for how long did that work <laughs>
1: so it worked really really well uh, again or, organic growth from 2009 to 2017 in 2017 it was like a switch and the company growth just stopped so from 2017 to 2021 which is today if you look at our yrr it's just going to it's just going to be amazing year after year it's we are within 10000 on yrr you know, plus minus so it's just the company is completely stagnant at this point. We have very little short. We always had very very little short. So that's what kind of saving us right now from shrinking. But we are stagnant, and stagnation is because you know tactics work only for so much, you know, for so long. When you start up, I probably you know, and I started other companies from life up now from the days of and life of now other companies where I also use this type of tactics. And they perfectly, in my opinion, they perfectly fine for startup when you just want to get customers. But at some point in the company life cycle, you have to think strategy. And then and, and I kind of missed that, that boat. So, so right now, only now, within six months, I focus on strategy. We brought in a very talented CEO, Jason O'Neill, who is just incredible. So he's just completely taking all the to-dos that I have to do on a daily basis and just does them. So now I have free time and growth and vision. So CEO is taken care of. We never had customer success. We hired now customer success team Was extremely talented, talented lady from Barcelona that will lead our customer success. We hired two inbound and two unbound salespeople this month and we restructured the entire team to have a very clear organizational chart with very clear accountability objectives. So those pieces did not exist from 2009 to today. So it's 12 years of company just growing with no strategy, with no marketing plan, there's no sales plan, with no revenue model, and, and reaching 3 million YR, which is it's a good story, but uh, the lesson here is you can do those tactics at the beginning to get customers and get traction, but once you do, keep you keep your eyes on the ball and and strategize.
0: So, twenty seventeen, you were doing about three million ARR, and twenty twenty one, you're doing about the same. Exactly. So you you said you know tactics can only take you so far, and you know you have to try other stuff and And obviously, now you're putting you're building a a team and an infrastructure around you and and kind of positioning yourself to now grow the business and and you know get it to the next milestone whether it's five or or ten million and it'll be interesting for us to follow up and see how how that goes, but looking back, i want to try and unpack why do you think that happened aside from I mean, even the tactics, like, you know, surely there were tactics in the last four years that you could have kept trying that would have maybe not grown the business massively, but maybe, you know, by a couple of percent every month. So what what happened? I want to try and understand what are the lessons here from like why it was flat and, and also why nothing has worked in the last four years.
1: Yeah. I think I I have a good understanding of what it is. I probably will gain more insight as uh, as we implement these new strategies. But I think because of how flat the organization always was, with me at the top, the visionary, the doer, the order taker, and order placer, and then everybody else under me, that flat organizational chart It's not even on the chart It's just I don't know what to call it it just locked me up so much in just daily tasks of if if you have a question if you don't know how to proceed ask Michael if you don't know what to do here ask Michael if you don't know which feature to develop and how to do it ask Michael and that kind of limited or removed deemed completely inaccessible my ability of be the visionary be the grower of the business and I think that's what stopped the growth and if I was to follow the advice which I know you're going to ask me later what was the best advice I think that was the best advice is hard general manager why are you managing all these people why are you managing your marketing department your development department you everything your customer success your developer you? CEO, your CEO and CMO and everything else. Why are you doing? Why are you torching yourself? Get a general manager, a good general manager, and, and who can free you up of all those daily tasks, so you can focus on the business and the growing business. I think that was the best advice that I only now followed. And the reason I didn't follow it before is because that horrible habit of if you want to do something right, if you get if you want to get something done right, do it yourself. And I think that that's what prevented me from letting go, and actually finding person like what I found now to 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 let go and tell him to deal with this for me. And I don't know if you have time for a joke, but it's a really good joke. You can cut it out later. Tell uh, me. <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, a hiker that uh, hikes and falls down the cliff and manages to hold on to a vine. So he 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 hangs on that vine barely. And he cries out, is there anyone there? Please help me. Is there anyone there? And there's a voice in the sky. Yes, I'm here. You can let go. Who is this? Who is this? This is God. You can let go. And the hiker thinks and says, is there anyone else there? (laughs) So that's me. You know, the one guy kind of entrepreneur holding on 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 all the wines in the business, preventing it, suffocating it.
0: So deep down you knew what you needed to do, but actually doing it wasn't easy. It was a
1: challenge, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are other people like me. And I'm again I'm not the one to teach. I'm just I'm just letting go now after twelve years. So, <laughs> so you should have let you know, but I, I kudos to people who, who knew that that this is important earlier because you probably are running now much larger businesses than than I do.
0: Yeah, I think one path was to hire a general manager, which is, you know, kind of what you went down. Yep. The other one would have been to kind of evolve into a different role and you playing, you know, the role of the CEO. Correct. But I think I think it's important. A lot of the times we sort of assume, okay, I'm the founder I'm going to build this business and then, you know, I'm going to be the CEO. And it's important to have self-awareness about not only about your skills and your strengths and all of that stuff, but also what are the things that energize you? What are the things that are easier for you to do than other people? And maybe the, the CEO role isn't right because there's other stuff that you could be doing and you could be doing better, but you have to let go. And and I think just, just knowing yourself to, to know what's right for you and not just following the path that you see everybody else sort of seemingly do is kind of a really important part of this.
1: Completely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more.
0: Now, the other thing I want to ask you, and and I want to understand what if this was also a factor to you kind of hitting a plateau with growth, was that sort of happened around 2017. Two years before that in 2015, (laughs) you started a second company, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So that's called Help Squad. That's not a SaaS business. I don't think we need to potentially like go into a bunch of detail there. But how much do you think starting that second business compounded the problems that you started to see from 2017
1: I think it had a tremendous effect on this and and uh, you know Jason uh, our new CEO uh, you know him and I talked about it on many occasions and I think that was catalyst for closing the the, the growth trajectory in uh, 2017 because it wasn't just one company so the the reason I now thinking back, the reason I started this not only HubSquad, but other four companies besides LifeUpNow, Up Now is because I thought, well, Life Up Now is kind of not growing that much anymore. Let me start another company and that will induce the growth. So, okay, and then and I'm going to start another one to grow even more. So instead of focusing on what was working, which was Life Up Now, which, which is the heart and, and the money maker. Instead of focusing on that, putting all my uh, energy to that business to grow it, I decided to start a new company, and that that would be the the catalyst for growth. Which, in the hindsight, out of four companies that I started, HubSquad is very su- successful. So maybe it wasn't such a bad uh, decision. Uh, it, it you know it's yet yet to, to see, but I think you're absolutely right. Me now. Uh, yeah, I have six, I have a CEO in six different companies at once while being actively involved operationally in you know, at least three of them. So how, it's like having three kids. And I do have three right. boys, which <laughs> I love. And I, know it's hard. Without my wife, I wouldn't be able to manage them. So now you're managing three kids. Uh, of course, the growth will be affected, which it did.
0: Yeah. And I guess when you started Help Squad in 2015, Live Help Now was still growing. So it wasn't like slower. It, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I mean, had it slowed down enough? Like, okay, here's a thing I want to kind of figure out: is in 2015 did you start Help Squad because you just entrepreneurial kind of you know shiny object chase it? I got this new idea, I'm going to go and build this thing, or was it because you saw already the slowdown in growth in in uh, Live Help now? And you didn't believe that there was much more That maybe this was it, this is where it was going to go. And maybe, you know, I should go on and focus on something else. Cause we see that all the time. It's like, you know, you, you, you kind of build a pro- somebody builds a product, they get mm. it out there and they get a little bit of traction, yep. but it stops at like 10 K MRR. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, that's about it. So uh, uh, maybe I'll go and build another product <laughs> now and, and maybe I'll, I'll do this. And that might be the right thing but in many cases if you just focus on that one thing and 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 again go back to what you said about the pricing at the beginning if you didn't mentally put this ceiling in your own head of where this business can be maybe maybe its the opportunity is much bigger <laughs> so which one which of those was it for you in terms of why what drove you to start help squad around that time
1: yeah and i think you it's 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 a, it was a compound effect of all those factors because Life Up Now is not growing as, as fast as it did in 2012, 15, or 11. Uh, and uh, Life Up Now is now not one of five companies out there, but one of 50 companies out there, basically providing the same uh, software. Also, me being the entrepreneurial at heart, listening to customers, which I really love doing, uh, telling me, hey, I would love your software we don't have enough people to cope with the chat volume or ticket volume or SMS volume. Can you recommend a company that we can outsource to or, or offload some of our service requests to? So me being an entrepreneur and shiny object chaser, well, let's just start another company called Help Squad. Yeah. I already have a domain for it. Let's do it. <laughs> so, but it was, and that's, you know, like you said, you you mentioned all of those factors that attributed to this birth of this new company and other companies that that burst over time based on customer requests and shiny object chasing. so and saturation of the global market that that previous companies is in, such as life of now.
0: now we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of minutes. But before yeah. we do that, I want to ask you. If anybody was listening to this and they're thinking, oh, you know, Michael started out and he's charging $20 a month and he's going to websites like techbargains.com to (laughs) to find customers, like he must be targeting like, you know, small businesses, Mm -hmm. but the majority of your revenue comes from enterprise customers today, right?
1: Very large customers, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. So... Where did that come from? Like, was that through the review directories that you were attracting these types of customers?
1: Yeah, so majority of customers that we secured enterprise level came from this top 10 reviews listing in 2011, which is still active to this day. And we, we still definitely enjoy an influx of enterprise level customers. Because like any other customer, whether it's enterprise or small business, the first thing the customer will do when they're searching for help desk solution or any other software, they'll probably go on Google and type "best," or, you know, X software for a dentist or best X software for SaaS or whatever it may be, or just best X software. So, uh, and that search currently will end up in, in uh, a very saturated, convoluted, confusing world of G2s, CapTers, and software devices. Uh, before, in 2011 to, through 17, 16, they would end up on this one site uh, called Top 10 Reviews, which is now business.com. So, Which I think, in hindsight, was a very bad decision on their part to rebrand to business.com, but it's another story. But yeah, so that, that's where enterprise level came from. And then uh, another factor is, in the call center world... Agents or, or people who work for a specific call center constantly move. There's a lot of movement, so they go from one call center working for not one company to another call center working for completely uh, another company, and they would bring the advice of, "Hey guys, you're using this not so good software to service your requests. In the previous call center, we used Life Up now, which is so much better." So that is was also which is you can classify the word of mouth that moves us from one enterprise to another enterprise
0: along. But even though you started finding enterprise customers, your approach to pricing also came back to bite you with those customers, right?
1: Didn't change, yeah. My approach to pricing grew by the, by the biggest, yes. Mm-hmm. This is something we're working on now. And, and like I said before in the interview, it's this is a big mistake. Pricing is a big mistake. Like I said, it's easy to go down. It's easy to offer coupons or promotions or whatever. Going up is very hard. So, uh, and that's what we're trying to figure out: how do we raise our pricing? Because, you know, if you buy all of the features of our solution, including chatbot and self-help knowledge base and tickets and email and chat and SMS, all you'll pay for license forty-five dollars per month, which is probably twenty percent of our closest competitor price without sacrificing any features. Yet when enterprises look at our competitor that's priced at two hundred dollars per license versus forty five dollars per license, they might think that it's something suspicious. It's just way too low. We probably don't want life up now, we want this other solution because it's so much more expensive.
0: Yeah, it's more so, expensive. It must be must be better. It must be better. <laughs> yeah.
1: So those are the teaching Well, That's probably the, the, the most I can teach your audience, is the price. <laughs> <laughs> price
0: OK, too. well, you, you, you and I are going to stay in touch. And I'm going to kind of find out what you guys start doing and and, and get this growth curve moving again. And uh, maybe we'll get you back at some point to, to share what you've done there.
1: Yeah. I think, Omar, and I know you're an extremely brilliant guy, I mean, us putting CO in place, organiz- organizational chart in place, accountability chart in place, sales team, bound outbound, bound, customer success team, and restructuring, I think those are the pieces that w- would probably be worth to revisit in about 18 months to see if those were the right pieces in place, put in place yep. today.
0: Totally. Okay, great. So let's wrap up and... Uh move on to the lightning round. So you know the drill. You're a listener to the show. Yes. I'm going to ask you seven questions. Just answer them as quickly as you can. Sure. Okay, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received?
1: Hiring a general manager,
0: CEO. What book would you recommend to our audience and why?
1: So this book has a bad word, so you're going to have to blip it probably. But, <laughs> uh, but the book is Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. And the, way, the reason I love it is because it teaches you how to embrace failures and it provides notions that suffering has value and problems make us happy.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? I think there are two
1: necessary, uh, in my opinion. Curiosity is one, and you have to have a romantic partner that inspires you and understands you.
0: That's a great answer. <laughs> What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I like to listen
1: to to classical music, like piano, violin, cello, just to help you focus.
0: What's, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask you this question because you already do this anyway, but what's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the time? It's <laughs> <That's>
1: crazy. <laughs> I have this uh, unfinished project called Me. It's a service that uh, transforms stock traders' performances into an easy to read chart. So it's like stock trader becomes a chart. So I'm determined to finish
0: this one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Uh, I love playing this video game called Overwatch on Xbox. I play about one hour a day. It just helps me unwind. I think it's a, it's a sort of just an incredible game. And uh, another thing is I, I have a dog, uh, Kakapoo called Emma. I just absolutely love her. I love the breed.
0: Awesome. And uh, finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work?
1: Uh, I love peace and isolation. I have a cabin in in small cabin in the mountains in a very secluded and beautiful spot, surrounded by mountains, by lake. So this is my passion, my sanctuary.
0: Love it. Yeah, Michael, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining me and and uh, teaching us a bunch of stuff. And I think you you kind of didn't think you had anything to teach. I think there was a lot of useful stuff that you you covered here. Awesome. If people want to find out more about live help now, they can go to. Mm-hmm livehelpnow.net mm-hmm. yes. and .com. Uh, and if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, my email is fine. It's my initials, mk, at livehelpnow.com. Awesome.
0: Michael, thank you so much. And uh, I wish you and the team all the best of success. And uh, yeah, we should uh, we should uh, stay in touch and uh, see how the, the plan goes and uh, how you get this kind of growth engine firing up again. And also I can keep track of all your other crazy projects that you're probably going to be working on.
1: (laughs) I'm a big fan, Omar. I think you're great. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that.
1: All the best. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.